Well, good morning. No, which does that look good? <laughs> well, our welcome and call to worship is going to come from First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two, verse eighteen. And I'd like to tell you good morning and welcome to First Baptist Oakers. Uh not about you, but waking up this morning was a little bit I don't know, it felt more burdensome, and I don't think it was simply just because of the lack of sleep at our house due to a newborn kiddo. Uh, just so much going on right now, right? And uh, I'll address some things in a moment. Uh, but for those of you who don't know, which I think you all do know, Megan had uh, her baby, our baby uh, last Sunday night. So Owen thought the baby was going to come during service, and praise the Lord, we made it through that. But he wasn't too far off. And uh, he was born at uh, 9.31 p.m., and uh, he was 5 pounds, 10 and a half ounces. He was a little guy, and uh, so far he's doing well. He's growing. He's gaining weight. Doctor's been really happy with his checkups, and so we've been, uh, we've been appreciative of that. And we just want to thank you all for your prayers. We felt them, and we appreciate them, and we could use them more. <laughs> uh, and uh, Megan, was, she, if you were wondering how she's doing, she's feeling fine. She might have uh, some infection from nursing, which she is prone to have. So just keep her in your prayers. Uh, thankfully, no fever yet, but um, she has struggled with that with every other child. So we're hoping this one will be different. He's already sleeping better than the other kiddos, so we're thankful for that. But at the other, on the other hand, it's not saying much with how little they slept. But um, if you want to see a picture of him, I'll show you one as you're as you're heading out. And uh, but again, thank you for your prayers. Um, what I want to do is I'm going to read uh, from First Peter chapter two, and then just kind of talk a little bit about some of the things that we're facing, particularly in our own state, right? Um, so let's go ahead and let's turn our attention to God's word. First Peter chapter two, verse eighteen, is where we'll begin reading. God's word says, "Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust." For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin you are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. For those of you who haven't heard the the newest guidelines um, from the state of California, from our, our governor, um, have not just been guidelines, but they have said that we need to discontinue singing. Um, and so, uh, again, as I said, I woke up this morning somewhat discouraged, extra burdensome with, with that thought of, well, how can we still honor our government that God has placed above us and at the same time keep God's glory ultimate. And uh, so in this next week or so, I just ask that you would pray that your leaders would have wisdom and considering what we do going forward. So what we're going to do today is we're going to plan to do what we had planned to do. And so we will worship the Lord. And um, at the same time, I don't want us to take light of a lot of these issues that we are seeing today. because. Um, you know, everybody overnight has become an expert in different areas, right? Um, not so much experts, but thinking they're experts. But I want us to just be wise, and I want us to be discerning. I want us also as a church to be respectful and seek to be a faithful light and witness in this community and uh, not seek to make singing or not singing a political statement, but let's seek to honor God and, as, as Peter writes here, honor the government as well. Um, so one of the things that we're thinking about doing, and again, we'll we'll send out the phone calls and emails as we might be transitioning back to going outdoors. Uh, I know some of you don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. It's hot. 
the wind blows my notes as I'm preaching, and I don't like that. <laughs> um, but again, I want us to be as safe as possible. Because when I think of, you know, our church, I don't just think of our building. I think of individuals, and I, I think of some of the elderly in our midst that I don't want to put any of you at risk. And so it seems like, well, not it seems like, it is safer to be outside. So that's just one of the things we'll be thinking about over this next week. So that might mean we'll go a little bit earlier. I know we were meeting at 9.30. We might scoot it to 9 just to be a little bit cooler. Um, but keep that in mind, and we'll be announcing it by Thursday. So expect a phone call and email on Thursday. And again, if you have any questions or concerns, please feel free to, to let me know. And again, we just want to do whatever we can to be safe, but ultimately worship the Lord, right? And do what he has prescribed in his word to do. And that is to, uh, to hear his word taught and also to sing his praises, right? So, um, let's keep that in mind this week. And also happy 5th of July or one day off from the 4th of July. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's just, it was a, an interesting weekend, wasn't it? I'm um, thinking about the, the blessings that we have in this country and yet, so much more that, that needs to be uh, changed, right, for ultimately for God's glory and his honor. But as Peter writes here, our hope isn't in the government. Our hope isn't in our state. Our hope isn't in our president or the Supreme Court. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ who bore our sins on the tree. And so with that in mind, we're going to turn our attention to praising him, uh, to worshiping him. So I'm going to go ahead and I'll open this up in Father, we come before you now, and Lord, we just ask for wisdom, that, that you would give us the, the insight into how to properly honor those that you have placed in authority over us, but ultimately to glorify you above everything else, that you would be honored in our worship. Father, we do pray for our governor, for Governor Newsom, that you would give him wisdom to make the right decisions, to uh, protect uh, those who are vulnerable and at the same time to uh, give us wisdom and to make right, give him wisdom and to make right decisions that would ultimately honor you. Lord, we pray that you would bring him to saving faith, that you would surround him with people who would share the good news of Christ crucified, who bore our sins in his body, that you would open his eyes to see his desperate need for Christ and that he would come to know you and that he would sing your praises. Lord, again, we just ask that you would protect us, that you would please stop the spread of this virus, and that you would protect all those in our midst and all those who are unable to attend. Again, Lord, we are grateful for your son who died for our sins and who now calls us to live in righteousness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand and join us in worship?
Good morning. Good to see everybody here. Despite the circumstances, but uh, Lord gets through this. Uh, still didn't surprise him, so uh, shouldn't surprise us. And we'll do what we need to do. Um, Pastor asked me earlier this week to uh, fill in for him. He had said before that it might, in case the baby came uh, during a Sunday service, be ready. And uh, so I was ready last week, and uh, didn't know. And but uh, like I said, the baby fortunately accommodated and came uh, later in the evening. Uh, but uh, we're thankful for that, and glad he has that time. And pray that Megan is feeling better soon. Um, this morning I'm going to talk to you about how well do we really know God. Um, you know, how well you know the Lord that you have given your life to and that you serve is reflected in your level of trust and obedience to him. Uh, and then you can look, and we're going to look in two passages, if you want to turn in your Bibles, uh, I prefer if you did, uh, to Hosea chapter, uh, well, passages in Hosea, uh, but primarily chapter 6, and then also 1 Samuel chapter 2, 1 Samuel chapter 2. And if you look in Hosea chapter 6, verse 1, it says this. It says, Come, let us reason to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. You know, the book of Hosea is taken from, uh, um, you have a, a Gomer who represents Israel and all that they should not have been, been or been doing. And yet you have a God who continually goes after them, seeks to bring them back, allows them to go through certain troubles and trials, but all with the purpose of restoring them. And as this verse says, says, note that while God strikes and tears apart, he also heals and binds up. In Hosea 6.1, it's not God's desire just to break you down and tear you apart and leave you hanging. If he does that, he does that in the sense of hopefully to bring you back, to build you up, to bind you to himself. Jeremiah talks about this also, and that God calls his faithful people to return, and he will cure their backsliding. You know, I don't know for you, but for me, uh, especially anytime you're leading a service or you're ministering in the Word we're God's people in some ways. I think of Jeremiah because uh, to me, he really speaks loudly in his testimony that he remained faithful to the Lord despite the fact that he had no positive responses, basically. God had called him to go and to tell his people his will and his purpose and his plan and even in chapter 29 is one of the passages that says, For God, I know, I know my thoughts towards you. That for a hope and a future. Um, but there is a time in chapter 20 of Jeremiah where Jeremiah is in a little bit of despair and he says, This is not what I signed up for. You know? And it have not, we not felt like that sometimes. Um, but nonetheless, God calls us to be faithful, and he speaks to his faith, faithless people sometimes to return. And he says, if you do that, then he will cure their backsliding. Did you know that God wants to reveal more of himself to you every day? In Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, it says this, and Jesus quoted this verse. He says, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. The question I have for you today, or one question I have for you today, is are you truly seeking after God with all that you are? You know, I was named uh, after uh, King David in the Bible and stuff, and I had a man one time used to call me King David all the time as a kid. And uh, that had an impact on me because it made me think of what type of man was David. And one of the descriptions that it gives uh, about David is that he was a man after God's own heart. 
And I thought about that and thought about that and thought about that for years. And one of the key words in there where it says he was a man after God's own heart is the word after to me in the sense of in the sense of pursuit that I long after the things that God longs after that I pursue the things that he loves that I love the things that he loves that I learn to hate the things that he hates and that I am more like him on an ongoing basis in that process of sanctification that takes place in the life of every believer. But is that true in your life? And I want you to ask yourself these questions today. Am I a person after God's own heart? When we sin, our relationship with the Lord is hindered, blocked, broken, and consequently we lose our identity. Ever since the fall, man has been trying to distinguish ourselves and regain our lost identity. I looked at uh, uh, some things one time about uh, the Guinness Book of World Records, and um, you know, isn't it funny how sometimes how we identify ourselves by uh, certain things? And I was just looking at some of the things that Guinness records of you know world records. These are just something that's different than anybody else that sets us apart, that identifies us. And I looked up, this was not a person, the first few of them were not a person, well, most of them weren't, but this one was, I looked up, do you know how tall the shortest bull was? I don't know how long ago this was, but this is last I looked up. Two, two foot, 2.2 inches, or 2.2 foot tall, 2.19 feet uh, tall, uh, was the shortest bull in the world. The world's oldest land animal named Jonathan, the turtle, that uh, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but was 187 years old, I think about five, six years ago when they uh, recorded this. 187 years old. I don't know how they know that, but I got—I mean, you I don't know. I'd have to determine how do you determine when a turtle was born. Uh, but the world's largest sandcastle, so I don't know how many people it took to build this, but the world's largest sandcastle, this is your claim to fame, I guess, uh, measures 17.658 meters, or in other words, about 56 feet tall. Uh, and how long, I can't remember how long they said it took them to build. Uh, of course, the storm came the next day and wiped everything out, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, does that something that would identify someone? The world's largest crocheted scarf measures 29.176 kilometers. Uh, crocheted scarf, yeah, uh, 29.176 kilometers. This was done in South Africa in honor of Nelson Mandela Day. And here's a good one. The world's largest bubblegum glo- bubble blown measured 50.8 centimeters. Uh, I, I imagine talking to the guy who did that, uh, you know. Um, you know, sometimes we, we, we search for identity through various means and our abilities and different things like this. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, in our world today, uh, athletics, you know, we have professional athletes that are identified by what they do, putting a round ball through a round hoop. Uh, and we pay them millions of dollars to do so. Um, and, uh, I, I also think of a story of a, a man who was an Olympic runner one time, who he had trained years for his ability. This is what identified who he was. And he says he gets up just before he's about to, the gun's about to go off, and he's getting in his set position to start the race. And here he has been, this world-class athlete that has done, you know, so many things before in his particular sport. And he says, all I could think of is, is my dad watching, you know, is my dad watching? Because he wanted to know that's something that set him apart from everything else. Um, someone, if someone was to ask you who you are, and this is a question I want you to ask yourself later on, uh, not today, not right now, but later on this week. Who am I? What's the first thing you normally tell them? Well, the first thing you may tell them is your name, right? 
What's the usual second thing you tell them? What you do, right? Your job. Is that what defines who you are? The Bible says that our identity is tied up in him. Matthew 10.39 says, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Today we're going to look at the contrast of two women, Gomer and Hannah. And that's why we're in Hosea and 1 Samuel 2. Now, two women in the Bible and their knowledge and also their relationship with God. Now, Gomer did not care to know God, right? Gomer went to go the other way. She was typifying what Israel was doing. Hannah, on the other hand, desired to know God with all her heart. What made the difference? Their knowledge of and identity in him. And I want to give you six things to know and find our identity in God, in him. Six things to know and find our identity in him. The first thing is we must come to him honestly. We must come to him honestly. If you look in Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, it says, When the Lord began to speak to Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take, take yourself a wife of harlotry, and children of harlotry, for the Lord has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. Now there was a debate, academic debate, about whether Gomer was already a prostitute or whether she became one after Hosea married her. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things you could say one way or the other. I kind of tend toward the latter, but uh, nonetheless, this is what happened. She was going away. She wanted to run away from her husband, right? And uh, she wanted to live a life of harlotry. Many times throughout Scripture, one of the things that is pointed out in Israel's sin, their primary sin, was just this, spiritual adultery. They were going after other gods, other things, rather than the true God, and giving to the glory to some someone or something else rather than God. And this is what God continuously comes back and uh, disciplines them for. But in Hannah, in 1 Samuel one eleven, Hannah says this. It says, Then she made a vow and said, this is 1 Samuel one eleven. says, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give to the Lord all the days, uh, give to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Now, she came bearing her soul. There was no um, ulterior motives, nothing she was hiding from God. She was coming to God honestly. And I like the specificity with which she comes in, in asking for a male child. And I've always told people before, when you pray, be as specific as you possibly can. God is asking you, wanting you. Jesus says, says you know, uh, seek me and you'll find me. Knock and it shall be opened, right? And in the in the Matthew seven where he does that in that verse, it's in the present tense, and it means to continuously keep on doing it, keep coming, keep seeking, keep knocking, right? Coming to him honestly, she says. Then I will give to uh, give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall fall upon his head. She was very specific in how she asked and what she asked. Um, and I, I appreciate the honesty. She was always one of the women in the Bible that I've looked, admired the most uh, was uh, not only who she was, but what she asked for and how God answered that prayer. Um, I want to say one side note on this. There he says she, when she says, then I will give him to the Lord. She asked for this son. But then she says, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. 
and I want you uh, for a second, and I would, I'm, I'm going to do this because I did this in my mother's memorial service. This, I, if you were sitting next to a loved one, um, uh, yeah, and I probably should have prefaced this in my memorial when I did it the first time. I want you to take the hand of the person next to you, uh, uh, the, if they're a family member, <laughs> even if they're not, but that's okay. But I want you to take the hand of the person next to you. Go ahead. It's okay. Um, in Ephesians chapter 5, keep hold of your hand. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, I believe it says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Um, in that verse, uh, I used this in my mother's uh, memorial service, and it talks about, Paul says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word that Paul uses there in Ephesians 5.16 for the word time is the word kairos, which means era or epoch, uh, period of time. Okay, It's not seconds on a clock like chronos, which we would get chronology from, like tick, tick, tick as time goes by, or watching that clock as the seconds go by. This is kairos, meaning the period of time. And it says... Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, if you understand in the sense that, uh, in this sense that evil is described as a deprivation of the good or deprivation of that period. So, in a point, you have a starting point and an end point that God gives that person to you that you're holding the hands of right now. Okay? And that time is going by. Okay? And it's a set fixed time which only God knows. And which God has given to you, that individual that you're holding the hand of. Okay? Understand that. Because when you come back to verses like this, and another one that I'll read here in a second, it says, Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Understand that you had better come to a right relationship with the Lord and with that person in relationship to the Lord, because the time comes when that period will end. And that person will be taken from you. And that hand that you're holding right now will not be there. You might, or you may not be. Maybe you're the one that's gone. And they won't have a hand to hold. I, I say that because, because, dear folks, God has given us this time with the people that he has designed for a period to make the most of it. And that's what Paul is saying, inspired by God, saying, redeem the time. Because the days are evil. Because there's coming a time when that time will be no more. Okay? And make sure that you have, like I did with my mother, given that person back to the Lord. So that when that time comes and he takes them home, you're able to endure. You're able to bear. You're able to go on and live as they would want and as the Lord would want. Okay? If you don't do that, you're going to struggle and you're going to have a lot more sorrow and pain. It doesn't lessen it in some ways. And it's just like I think about my loss of when I lost my mother lost died. Um, it never goes away, but it sure helps in how you deal with it um, and how you address it. And I think of this in the sense of loss of a loved one. When she says, she says, then I will give him to the Lord. This was the, the, the thing that she needed in her life that helped identify who she was and who God had made her to be. And she says, what you give me, I will then give back to the Lord. I will again back, give back to you. So we must come to him honestly. But we must also, number two, we must understand our reliance upon him. In Hosea chapter 2, verse 7, Gomer says this, um, or they says about Gomer, it says, She will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. See, Gomer didn't care to know the Lord. She didn't want to come to the Lord. And honesty wasn't uh, necessarily in her uh, uh, characteristic book. But she was going after everything she wanted, what she sees, right? And uh, I... I I thought about this 
with my son lately, he's developed these two phrases that he says to me because he's getting big enough to do it by himself. He says, I start to do something for him. And he says, he says, he says, me got this, you know. And the next thing he'll say if I try to continue to help him is, don't need you. Don't need you. You got this, you know. You know, I do it by myself. I don't need you, right? Now, that's cute and funny as a five-year-old. But how many times, and I tell you, say that God speaks to me through my son so many times, is how many, it's not so funny when you're 55 and saying to the Heavenly Father, I don't need you. I got this. She will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. Hannah had a different response. She says in verse uh, one, uh, verse 10 of First Samuel 1, says, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Um, she understood her need for the Lord. She knew that God was the one to whom she could turn to to answer her heart's cry, her desire. And she cried out to the, the Lord, it says, in bitterness of soul, and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. There was a sincerity. You remember that scene where she's praying, and she, it says, Scripture says her lips are moving and stuff and everything, and her husband thought, you know, he's supposed to be a man of God, and he didn't. He, his first assumption is she's drunk. You know, um, she re- understood her reliance upon God. Number three, we must become interested in what interests him. Gomer's uh, response in Hosea chapter 3 says, Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I bought for her myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half, one half homers of barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too I will be towards you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Um, that's all of Hosea chapter 3, by the way. You just read a whole chapter of the Bible. Um, but um, Gomer, in her response, she says she was, he, he, she's, Hosea is told to love a woman who's loved by a lover and is committing adultery. She's disloyal to you. She's She's cheating on you. She's going after other things that she shouldn't be going after. And God tells Hosea to go after her, pursue her, woo her back, right? And his desire, and it reminds me of the father in the prodigal son story, how he went out and he looked and he longed to see his son come and return, right? And he says he says he went out and he just, you know, you can just see him just looking as far as he can look to see if he can see his son returning. And that's God in our reference to us. How far will we go before we turn around? And like it says in the prodigal, he came to a census when he was in the pig pen. Um, it might be for some of us like this, it says in the latter days. Uh, and uh, we would be in that, what was described the latter days now. Uh, but Hannah had a different response. First Samuel one twenty eight. It says, therefore, also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. Right? What be, what was the Lord's interest was also became Hannah's interest. She asked for the child, male child, Samuel. We know what happens with Samuel and everything that... Uh, uh, that becomes of him and the anointing of Israel's first king and also their second king. Um, but what the, what interests her was what interested the Lord. And, and I think of David in the Psalms where he says things like he loves the things that God loves and he hates the things that God hates. Um, 
and uh, whether that's evil, sin, different types of wrong, or whatever it may be, but he becomes more like uh, our Heavenly Father in that respect um, as he grew in his knowledge and relationship with the Lord. Then we have number four, it says we must know his word. We must know his word. Gomer in Hosea 4, 6, and I like this passage. These are, there's a couple of verses here that you ought to have highlighted in the book of Hosea, and, and here's one of them. In Hosea 4, 6, he says, My people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I, will, I also will reject you. Now, you can read the rest of the verse, but I want to focus on that particular part. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, my seminary uh, professor used to say, uh, Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Right? He says, more properly, we ought to, we ought to uh, be honest with God and say, Thy word have I hid on my shelf that I might sin against God. Right? Because what do we do sometimes? How many times do we open his word on a regular basis? How much is God speaking to you through his word on a regular basis, on a daily basis? He wants to share, show you more of himself. He wants to share more of himself to you. He wants you to trust him. But how well do you trust him? And when somebody asks you who you are, does that include the Lord? Would that be included? Would he be included in your response? Um, we must know his word. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. How well do you know his word? You know, I was going to joke uh, uh, if uh, JT was here this morning. Uh, he was born a week ago now, right? Uh He'd have been seven days old, and um, he would have beat me by four days coming to church for the first time. I think I was 11 days old when uh, when uh, I first came, was first brought to church. And I'm I'm a PK. My dad was a preacher. I grew up in church. You know, I went in the days in, when you went to church uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and several other nights uh, often throughout the week and the month and stuff, and you had uh, two-week revivals, and you had, you know, various other things going on. You were there. You lived there, you know, and a lot of you can relate to that. I can see some heads nodding and stuff, and um, but that doesn't help me get to know the Lord anymore just because I come to church, right? I mean, you can be as foreign to the Word of God as the regular pagan that disavows God uh, and still be in church. Um, but how well do you know his word? And how well is God speaking to you? If you look at 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 to 3, Hannah prays this. This is, says, says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the, in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more uh, so uh, very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is what? The God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Um, you know, one of my favorite classes in, in seminary was uh, systematic theology, and systematic theology gives you a framework for how to understand everything, really, basically, not just uh, uh, religion and the Bible, but uh, all of life in a lot of ways. And one of the, the uh, first things you study in systematic theology is uh, what's referred to as theology proper, and that's the, the nature of God. Um, and... Um, I thought about that when Hannah's saying things like this, says, no one is holy like the Lord, there is, nor is there any rock like our God. That shows a profound understanding and knowledge uh, in who God was, and that Hannah could go to him 
uh, and bare her heart and her soul. As it says, she cried out in bitterness of soul, and he heard her, right? But one of the things you have here uh, is uh, an understanding that there is a relationship and a knowledge there. Um, it wasn't that Hannah was just coming blindly and shooting in the wind, right? She knew what she was asking for. We must observe, number five, we must observe his characteristics and his ways. Gomer says this in Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. It says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. And they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed to, to the Baals and, and burned incense to carved images. I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. And I have written here beside my note on that, do I ever act like this to God? Here he is, the one who has basically taught me from the very beginning how to do the most basic things, the fundamental things in life that everybody needs. To get here, you had to put left, right, left, right, and so on, right? To get here, to walk here. I taught him how to walk, but they did not know that I healed him, right? When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son, right? I wonder how many times we act like that, the Lord, you know. Do we forget what he's done, who he is, the God of love that has sacrificed his own son, that has given us an opportunity to have a relationship with him? Hannah expresses her knowledge in 1 Samuel 2, 6 through 8, and I just wanted to say one little phrase about that. She says, the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. And there's another verse I think you should have highlighted because it talks about God's sovereignty. He's the one who gives life. He's the one who takes life. Job mentioned that, right? Uh, others have mentioned that throughout Scripture. But that God is the one who is sovereignly in control, the giver and taker and also the sustainer. Right? In Acts, it talks about in him we live and move and have our being. Right? The very breath you have right now that you're breathing, God has given to you. We must observe his characteristics and his ways and realize that he is in control and that he is sovereign. Number six, and the final point that I want to make in our relationship to getting to know him and finding our identity is that we must accept his invitations and follow his commands. Gomer in Hosea 14, uh, 1 through 4, and I'm just going to read the first phrase here, or first verse or two. says, O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously. We will offer the sacrifice of our lips. Right? Return to the Lord, Israel. Return to the Lord. Now, Gomer is a, typifies Israel in this sense, and she kept going away, right? Kept going away. I mean, reading the Old Testament and even all of Scripture, there's this repeated cycle. Uh, I, I, when we're going through the book of Judges in Sunday school, I told you that the book of Judges is kind of a microcosm for the rest of the of Scripture in one sense because there's a general reference of everything's right people are feeling good i'm gonna do what i want and then all of a sudden i end up going and doing everything i shouldn't things turn bad god brings judgment i cry out and god sends a deliverer right and then restores me brings everything right again and then what do i do to thank him for it turn around and do it all over again right is that us? Um, that's what he says to Israel over and over, and through the example we have in the book of Hosea with Gomer. Hannah had a different response in 1 Samuel 2, 9 through 10. She says this, He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. 
For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. She marks out the things that God is going to do, things that he must do, but she understands because of who he is, this is what's going to happen. And he says, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. I just finish off with this, and it says, as as your knowledge of God grows, uh, you more increasingly begin to recognize His love for you. You have verses like First uh, Psalm forty six ten, which begin with what? Be still and know that I am God. All right. I ask you this week to give yourself some time to meditate upon God's word and the. Verses like this that in Psalms 46:10 and others that I've mentioned, and to think about the God who whom you have given your life to. How well do you know Him, and how well do you trust Him? Um, as your knowledge of Him increases, so does your trust and obedience in Him increases. Ultimately, one day to the point where you can't begin to define yourself without including God in your answer. And my question to you today is that you believe from here is ask yourself, how would I answer the question of who are you? Who are you? I know how Hannah would have answered it. I know how Gomer did answer it. Which one are you closest to? Have our worship team come forward and we'll close in worshiping. And then we'll, we'll, I'll come back up and we'll pray and we'll be dismissed. Thank you, David. So as we go from here, let's continually ask ourselves, are we growing in our knowledge of God and our love for God? Uh, Those two things are not disconnected. Uh, Again, we'll keep you updated as far as what we plan on doing next week. So expect a phone call, email, or both on Thursday. So let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we come before you now, Lord, and we thank you for your amazing grace that saves wretches like us, those who only deserve death and hell and eternal separation from you. 
but because of your great love towards sinful and wayward people, God, you have been so good to us by providing a way of salvation for us through Christ. And we thank you and we praise you for that. Father, give us wisdom to live lives that are honoring to you in these times. And Lord, we thank you that your church and the kingdom of God is not confined to political systems or to countries. But Lord, it is a kingdom that is not of this world. So Lord, we thank you for that. And we thank you for the hope and the joy that we can have because Jesus is alive. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.